Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello, everyone. Last week... Nick. Nick, Nick. Yeah, I'm Nick, you're Liz. I'm Liz. I think they might know that by now, you know. Possibly not. I think they might. But I want to talk about last week's column... Where Minnie is that Minnie? Minnie, God. Minnie wants a poo. Do you know she knows? Poo. The minute we press the record button, she knows. She knows, and because we're talking about Gracie, I think she's having a jealous moment. She's very jealous. She's very jealous. Even if you say another dog's name in front of Minnie, she comes up and growls and puts her paws around you. She see? doesn't like you saying something see? else. Now we're talking about Minnie. She's been gone quiet. Let's see what happens when we start talking about Gracie again. So last week, you were telling us in the column about Gracie collapsing and yes. she wet herself. And we've had a huge response. We've had lots of emails. Um, we've had Alice and Ian, Janet, Sarah, Karen, Julie and Linda and, and others. So thank you, everybody. They all want to know how Gracie is. So I thought we should start with that. Well, we rushed her to the vet. It was a Sunday night. I guarantee you, if You're you ever mummies. have an animal emergency, it's Christmas Day... Sunday night or a boxing day or a bank holiday. Always. They always always choose that moment. And she had a raised temperature and she's on steroids because she keeps gagging and she's on antibiotics. And what else is she on? Anti-wee-wee. Propylene, metabactin. Yeah. Yeah, steroids. So she had quite a few. The vet said she fainted, and I'm I'm always quite bolshy with vets. I know people are always quite scared of doctors, and they're quite scared of vets, and they're quite scared of policemen. And actually, I got the train to London yesterday at 7.15, and they came round with the menu, and they said, oh, well, the chef's off sick, so we can't do you hot food or proper breakfast. And I was the only one in the whole train who said, what's wrong with him? <laughs> No one else said that. How so I always challenge vets. And the vet said she fainted. She didn't faint. She was unconscious for a few seconds. She didn't faint. And she's actually done it one more time. Yeah, she has. So we're keeping a really close eye on her, aren't we? Yeah. And um, she's, yeah, she's all right at the minute, though. She's okay at the minute. She's had all her drugs. And, she's and I wrote the in the minute. column that I can't... There's never a right time to lose an animal, is there? But never. I absolutely can't lose her never. at the moment. Well, it's her birthday on the 1st of April. She's going to be 13 or how, 14. How is that even possible? I've got a picture of her as a puppy. She looks exactly the same as a puppy. She does look exactly the same. You see, I look exactly bit, the same as wider. I do on the cover of my book, don't I, when I was you five? Do. Don't I look exactly you the do. same? But, but Grace is a little bit wider than she used to be she used to be sort of slim built and now she's more like me (laughs) we've both got wider in old age (laughs) but I have been watching the news footage on telly and I'm sort of addicted to it really and I've been reading the papers and the Daily Mail's coverage has just been incredible 
and moving and forensic and they did a whole spread about what was happening in the zoo and in Ukraine. And I've been watching on Twitter and people posting pictures of carrying great big German shepherds out of the country. And I kind of think this is the first war where we've seen people carrying with their animal companions away from a war because of Instagram, because of Twitter, because of our phones. Like... During the Blitz in London, and I'm slightly obsessed with the Blitz in London, and I've read lots of books about it, and Sarah Waters, The Night Watch, is one of the best books about the Blitz. You actually feel you're there. She's an incredible writer, Sarah Waters. I went to interview her, and she still lived in a council flat, even though she was so successful. But in the Second World War, people put their cats and dogs down. Yeah rather than have them be stressed by the bombs. But now they're refusing to do that and they're carrying them out. And I got an email today, and this is from a woman called Alison, and she works for, and she's the founder of Paws to Rescue. Paws to Rescue is an animal charity that was set up to rescue and rehome the thousands of strays on the streets of Romania. Now, Teddy's ears are burning. And Boris. And Boris. Because they were... Strays on the streets yeah. of Romania. And Rosie. We've got three Romanians. Well, Hilda we? was Romanian. Hilda was Romanian. And I went to Romania and I found mm. Rosie and I found Hilda and I smuggled her out in a very expensive sweater. You did, but she was worth it. And so Alison Stanbridge, she's the founder of Pools to Rescue. She's a wonder woman. She has a husband, two teenagers, four dogs and a full-time job in financial services. And she's taken holiday to travel to the Romanian-Ukrainian border where she will work in a monastery cooking for the refugees and the refugee animals. Well done, that woman. And she sent me three pictures. One is a picture of medicine. She's taking four suitcases and she emailed me from the airport. One is a bag of toys... Oh, bless her. And one is sort of toothbrushes, pseudo-cream. You know about pseudo-cream, don't we? We love pseudo-cream. For the dogs and the cats. And she sent an email. She said, hello, I'm flying off. This is a normal person. And she just decided to pack four suitcases. And off she goes. I'm flying later today to Siget in Romania on the border with Ukraine. I'm staying in a small pension, but mainly working at one of the monasteries. We've worked with them on neutering locally before and they are now taking in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of refugees and their refugee animals. Our local team in Romania has been there most days with truckfuls of donations. Our team are doing animal checks and vaccines and providing... I can't... I'm just so upset about this. I think the way the Ukrainians, though, have come together with their animals... Incredible. It's, it's been incredible watching the dedication to people that won't leave their pets now it's it's amazing it's fantastic so alison is joining the romanian red cross convoy and some of our team will be going into ukraine this weekend tomorrow yep and they will bring back dogs there are three photos here liz although i'm sending you hundreds one is all the medical aid the other two are a few bits and bobs i thought i would pack in my suitcases it's going to be fun with four heavy suitcases. Take care. I'll call you next week. Now, Alison, I then emailed her and I said, can you keep a diary, Alison? Can yeah. you take lots of photos? And she's thrilled 
that she's left her family and she's left her job and she's taken four suitcases and she's thrilled that, some, she's thrilled that someone noticed and that we're going to follow her and we're going to tweet her journey and what she does and how she gets on. Absolutely. Because how many of us drop out what's going on in our lives? And it just shows, doesn't it, that we can all do something. I mean, obviously, we can't all get on a plane and go and do something so big, but we can all do something. And I've been looking in the shops at the mountains of blankets and clothes and food donations for the animals that, that people are sending. People are literally coming together in the most amazing way for the Ukraine. I, I, I don't remember seeing anything like this no. before. I don't. But actually, I have to big up Nick here. Oh, I'm sorry, I get so upset. Oh, don't, you're going to set me off. <laughs> don't set me off. But Nick's done amazingly, and she has got together with IAMS, who are one of these great big pet food companies. Yeah. And Nick has persuaded them to donate. You tell us. Yeah, we've got seven tonnes. Seven tonnes. Around 12 pallets of food going out to um, the Ukraine. And the amazing charity, fantastic charity, Dog Bus, are going to take it over Dog for us. Dog Bus Transporting Paul. So I am's, even though I am's are really, really busy with Crofts this weekend, yeah. they are sending, with no charge, seven tonnes of food. Yeah. They have been incredibly helpful. I went to them and said, you know, please help us. And they've literally been amazing and so generous. And everybody's pulled together. We've also got 78 dog coats from, from Izzy, Izzy Lane. Yeah, Izzy Lane, who has got an ethical company that does ethical wool from Rescued Sheep. And she's very kind, like, kindly donated a huge amount of dog coats because it's obviously so cold And she's cold also out there. been running a GoFundMe to give yeah. people to give food as well. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's just fantastic. Everyone's pulled together. And all these things, they're, they're all little things, but together we all just make such a big difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what that one dog that's got a coat on is going to feel the difference. Yeah. The person that eats the food that Alison cooks is going to feed the difference. So him. come on, Boris. This isn't really us just ignoring humans and just being on the side of animals. For someone to leave their dog at the Calais and they can't bring their dog or their cat it's into not, Britain, on, that would break me and it would break those people. No. It, it would just be the final straw. These people are carrying their pets. They love their pets. So They've lost their home. let... The animals into this yeah, country. Absolutely, absolutely. You can vaccinate them afterwards. You can quarantine them afterwards. There's lots of us who will make sure they're housed and kenneled and, and fed. We've got a great network now. Let them in the country. Absolutely, absolutely. Anything else is just come on, Boris. Inhumane. Not Boris the dog. Boris the politician. Not my Boris. Come on, Not Boris, my Boris the PM. My Boris is is in the doghouse. My Boris... Has he been naughty? Is, is, oh, he's a naughty little bugger. He is a naughty... Everyone says to me, oh, no, you've got a beagle. Oh, no. And the look on their faces. And at first I said, why? What, what's wrong with having a beagle? Well, I've learned. I've learned. Do you know what he did? Well, you do know what he did because I had to try and call you in for the cavalry. I was out in the garden. I looked around for Boris, who had been digging a rabbit hole. Couldn't see him. I thought, you naughty little git, you're down that hole, aren't you? I walked to the end of the garden. No Boris. No Boris. So I ran up the garden, which is uphill, so it wasn't a pretty sight. 
Look round the house. Did you have no bra on? No, no bra. I was in pyjamas. I was in my <laughs> Hogwarts pyjamas with me boobs swinging like a pendulum running up the garden, which I want you to keep this image as unattractive as it is because it gets worse. So I leap in my car. I've got a 15-year-old a, a Peugeot that I drove down my bridal path on two wheels. I don't think it's, it's going to survive much longer after that. Shot down the road because I thought I've got a field that runs parallel to, to my house. And I thought he's probably got underneath and run across this field. There was this poor man innocently walking up. I nearly run him over and I'm screaming at him, have you seen a beagle? Have you seen a beagle? And he's just calm. This man's just calm. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's, it's over there by the goose bush. And I'm going, where? Where? And he's like... That's the difference between men and women, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's just, oh, it's over there. He said, well, do you want some help? And I'm like, yes, if you can go after him, because if I go after him, it'll just, we've got no recall, no recall. Unless we've got sausages, we've got no recall. So I said, but he'll come to you because he's friendly. He'll want to come and see. So I went to park the car just off the lane. He was in the field with Boris. So I'm now like a Pac-Man. You know, like Pac-Man when it keeps running into the wall. There's, there's a five-foot wall. <laughs> I'm only five foot two. So I'm running into this wall trying to get my leg over to get over this wall to get to my dog that I'm terrified he's going to run off again. This bloke is just looking at me. I'm lobbing the lead at him. I'm going, put the lead on, put the lead. He said to me, oh, he's such a good boy, isn't he? I'm like, no, he's not. Typical man. He's not a good boy. Typical man. He's just bloody his way out my garden well I think this bloke was scarred anyway because with Immy Hogwarts pyjamas with no bra and I'd run from my car down to him with everything swinging in the breeze I think he was traumatised anyway do you have pants on? I had no knickers on under my pyjama bottoms no it was it, it was all very precarious it was all uh, it was all very bad so I'm trying to climb under there's strands of barbed wire on the top so this bloke just looks at me trying to get over the wall and I'm thinking, why are you staring at me like that? And he just looked at me and he went, there's a gate there. And literally about 10 Typical. foot. He mansplained you a gate. He 10 foot. He mansplained you a gate. Yeah, but oh my God, did I feel an absolute pillock. I'm trying to climb this wall. I'm panicking and he just walks down and walks through the gate. And I'm like, well, that's me. That's me humiliated. <laughs> But it was Women's Day earlier this week, It Nick. was, International Women's Day. I had more people wishing me happy International Women's Day than I had happy birthdays. I've never heard of it before. Apparently, it's been going since 19... The first meeting about this, a little, little bit of information, was in 1911. And I only heard about it this week. I had no idea about it. They need a new PR, don't they, They really? need a new PR. And apparently the campaign theme, hashtag break the bias, is imagine a gender-equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that is diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where the difference is valued and celebrated. Together we can forge women's equality. Collectively we can all hashtag break the bias. That's their mission statement. Your face. A <laughs> PR definitely wrote that, didn't they? <laughs> but we don't want to be all equal and the same. We, we want to be better, don't we? Well, I, do you know, I'm just a little bit sick of all these stereotypes. You know, to be a feminist, you have to be this and that. I look at people like my mum, who is amazing. She divorced my alcoholic father. She left for nothing. She 
worked hard. She bought her own house. She had two businesses. She raised me. She's unbelievable. She's the most incredible cook. She she was a fantastic businesswoman. She's she's just incredible. She's my hero. I mean, you know, don't listen, Mum, because you'll get a big head. But it's she's shame. You're absolutely. Not more like her, really. I wish. I, do you know? Honestly, I wish I was. I'd be better off if I was. But she's had a really hard life, and she is is my hero. And it, we look at inspirational women as in women in business and women of achievement. But actually, it's people that are raising their kids. It's people that are making ends meet. It's people like Alison that's going off and doing yeah, something yeah. that matters. It's people like Izzy that's got like an ethical business, you know, and helping animals. It's these women that I respect. You know, yeah, great if you're the Prime Minister and you're this and you're that. But it's the women that have got everyday struggles and that come through that adversity and they're strong and they're coping and they're amazing. So many fantastic women out there. Well, Woman's Hour earlier in the week to celebrate Woman's Day had Annalise Dodds on the programme, who's the shadow equalities minister so she's Labour's shadow equalities minister and she was asked to give the definition for what it is to be a woman and she said it depends what the context is oh for god's sake I mean what planet is she on and I wonder it doesn't depend what the context is no it doesn't it doesn't and it's all very politically correct answer isn't it the context you know I'd have thought if you wanted to be a politician you'd be passionate about stuff, knowledgeable about stuff, and you would say difficult things because you believe in something. You don't hedge your bets the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And I think when we're looking at sort of International Women's Day, it's not just about yourself. It's not just about how you can forge your career. It's also about supporting women, you know, for instance, in countries where girls don't get an equal right to education, where there's genital mutilation. It's protecting girls. Well, do you remember I went um, a, few, a few years ago, I went to Sarajevo with Women's to Women International. Yeah, yeah. And what they do is they put a woman in the West who's got a skill, yeah. Minnie, in touch with a woman in, say, Bosnia, who needs help, and you mentor them. Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. And they yeah. made me do a 40... I didn't. I thought I was going to get a taxi. Minnie! Minnie! Minnie, the door's open. You can do a poo. Minnie? She's, see, we're not talking about her. We're not talking about her. She's just... Uh, oh. Narcissist. They made me do a 42-mile walk. I remember that. Wasn't that in flip-flops? I'll tell you what I was wearing. They made me do a 42-mile walk, and it was to Srebrenica, which is where the massacre of the Muslims took place. And I hadn't really read the notes of what I was doing because I was too busy filing copy or something. So I didn't take any walking shoes. I was wore flip-flops, and I had a very heavy Prada bowling bag. And all these other women were in hiking shoes, they had ski poles, and they had these reservoirs going into their mouths with water, and I just had my Prada bag and my flip-flops. But I still did 42 miles, I did it quicker than anyone. I actually over- went past the end point and had to come back. I overshot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just you all over, isn't it? Because you're just charging ahead. You're not even taking any notice. 
But do you want to hear about two women who I who have inspired me, yeah. who I've interviewed? I do. Or three, actually. I could probably do four, but we haven't got time. Three. One was... You can leave me out for once. <laughs> one was Jane Goodall. And I did a story with her when I was at Marie Claire. And she went to Africa and she studied primates. She's and amazing. she's still out there. She doesn't go on and on and on about women's rights and breastfeeding and upskirting and the glass season ceiling and equal pay. She studies a different species and she yeah. cares about the planet. So to me, that makes her an inspiring woman because it's not all about herself. No, absolutely. I get quite frustrated with this focus on my career, my promotion, my this, my rights in the workplace. It's not just about you. It's yeah, but we talked about that the other week, yeah, didn't I? We I did, asked yeah. all the feminists on Twitter to yeah. support, you know, anti-dairy because cows and mums and not one of them replied. No. They're too busy counting their money, aren't yeah, they? absolutely. The second woman who really made a big impression on me, and this is interesting, really, because if you cook and bake cakes and stuff, you're supposed not to be a feminist. And I sort of grew up thinking that because my mum cooked all our food seven children, I never had a shop-bought cake. I longed for a, a for a mini roll from Cadbury's. Do you know, I wasn't allowed a shop-bought. No, everything was made. She made all our, all our food. She always left herself last to be served because it ran out by the time it got to her. So she'd have the stew, but she wouldn't have anything in it. She'd just have the sort of gravy. So my second woman after Jane Goodall is Nigella Lawson. Mm. I love Nigella. And I met her for breakfast in London in a hotel. And she's very unlike most famous women. So the minute we sat down to talk, she said, never mind about me. What about your marriage? What about you and Nurpal? What, you know? And she, she didn't wear a, a flashy engagement ring because she wasn't about being flashy. No. And she, she survived... You know, her mum dying of cancer, sister, her husband died of cancer. And she still gets up every day and forged her career. And she left her marriage to Saatchi. She just took her cooking pans. She didn't take mm. any money from him. Mm. Now, that's the sort of woman who I admire. Mm. Because she she doesn't really care about herself. She's so interested in the world and nurturing and intelligent my god she's intelligent she used to be the literary editor at the sunday times mm. and i remember seeing her the literary department just had a sort of cupboard and i remember seeing her go in her cupboard with her beautiful hair and i just admired her for years mm. and that she made her own fortune and she didn't ride on the coattails of someone else no. and she did it with integrity you know. Yeah, and I love the fact that she doesn't conform to stereotypes. She's incredibly sexy. She's beautiful. She's got her boobs out here. She's curvy. But it's she... funny. The thing that struck me when I met her, she's tiny. Mm. She looks bigger on telly. When you meet me in mm. person, she's tiny. Mm. She's tiny waist. Um, I think she's beautiful, but she's not a stereotype, is it? She's she's quite comfortable to be a sexy 
woman. It doesn't stop her being a great businesswoman, a talented chef. It doesn't stop just because she's sexy. It doesn't stop her doing all these other yeah, things and being yeah. confident in herself. And I really respect that. I really don't see why we have to downplay being women and downplay being sexy and downplay being flirty because we're a feminist. It yeah. doesn't make no, any that's sense a good to point. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is the ultimate feminist because she didn't take any money from a rich yeah. husband. She's forged her own money, you know. Yeah. And I, I used to, I used to work with her husband as well, who John Diamond, who was he wrote an incredible column about dying from cancer and he lost lots of his mouth and his tongue God. and he couldn't speak and he couldn't eat. Yes, Can you imagine you can't eat and you're married to Nigella Lawson? It's literally criminal, isn't it? I mean that literally is criminal. My third amazing woman is Mary Berry. Oh, I love Mary. Who doesn't love Mary Berry? Who? Someone was someone gave one of her shows a bad review and then tweeted it on Twitter and I just replied on Twitter, Don't be mean about Mary. Don't be mean about Mary. Uh, it should be against the law. So I've illegal. interviewed her a few times and the first time I went to her house she's moved from this house now, which I think is a shame. And the Daily Mail thought it'd be funny if she taught me how to make a cake because I've never made a cake before. I don't own flour. No, no, it's been too much mess for you, isn't it, to make I a cake? I don't own flour. What happens when you open the bag and it goes everywhere? There is no control in flour. I need you to know that. There's no control in it at all. So even though Mary Berry was quite nonplussed by the fact I'd never made a cake and she'd made shortbread and I dropped it on the floor... And she said, oh, you can still eat it because I wash the floor every day. She washes the kitchen floor every day. How her. many modern-day career women wash their floor every day? No. My mum did. No. Mary Berry does. And that a whole different generation. A whole different it? generation. And, you know, she hasn't had it easy. You know, her son was killed in a car accident. She had to forge her career incredible woman and then I the second time I interviewed her we wanted to do a, a feature on her fashion because every time she was on Bake Off she had a whistles jacket on and florals and everything so you know what fashion shoots are like they go yeah. on for hours Forever. and you have to keep changing so I was in charge of her outfits I was in Mary Berry's bedroom and she had all these John Lewis cotton seersucker things and everything was on a hanger and she was in her underwear. And no matter how many times the photographer and me said to her, can you now put on a pair of inky denim jeans and go and look like you're picking nasturtiums in the garden? And can you wear a floral whistles jacket? But then can you put in a... And can you go upstairs and change in a... She never complained no. once. No. In her 80s, she didn't complain once. No. She was stoic. She was cheerful. She was hospitable. I think that's the thing, actually, the word cheerful, because I've, I've noticed these type of people um, that do get on with it, they do it with good grace. They yeah. do it cheerfully. They're not whinging. They're not moaning. They smile. They make it easy for themselves and everybody else just by their attitude. And I think that's a generational thing because we find it so easy now to whinge and moan and go yeah, on. Yeah, and, oh, I'm stressed. And I, I you know. Get over it. My mum had a terrible, terrible, terrible time, a lot of pain, and she never complained, no. never complained, no. No. never said, I can't be bothered to make dinner tonight. No. We never had a takeaway. No. You know, my mum never drunk 
coffee out of anything that wasn't a china cup. She never had a takeaway coffee. No. You know? But if you do it with good grace and if you do it with a smile on your face, it's going to be better. You c- it can't be... It's going to be a lot better. You're going to... The time's going to pass. You're going to do it in a nicer way. You're going to make other people feel better. And I think that's what's missing. We're too quick to complain. We're too quick to be miserable. When actually we could just smile our way through yeah. it. We so should I be think- more Mary Berry. As examples of women, those are three women who, they're not banging on about themselves and their problems. They're helping other people. They're giving their knowledge. They're caring about other issues. But the only time she got a bit cross with me, she was teaching me how to make um, like a Swiss roll with meringue. But I wound up my Swiss roll without putting the filling in, so it was empty. Oh, dear. I forgot to put the filling did in. Did you reverse procedure? I forgot. Do you remember I brought the cake home? Yeah. Did anyone eat it? No. <laughs> I am literally the worst cooking. I'm the worst singer. Yes. And the worst cook. Because everything I make becomes a biscuit. No matter what it is. It's a biscuit. I don't think you're ever going to be, and I know we've mentioned this before on the podcast, the rice pudding that just turned into this... But it was cooking cake. for hours and it became a biscuit. It was a dry flapjack. It was the worst. <laughs> we just kept adding milk to it. <laughs> but it was a biscuit. It was awful. You can read this week's diary in full... Mail on Sundays, You Magazine. So what have you been up to? Do you know what the heading is? Go on. In which I'm told I need another facelift. Harsh. That's a bit harsh. It's a little bit harsh. I was a little bit crestfallen. It's a little bit harsh. I'm begging for a facelift, so... (laughs) Yeah, but I don't want another one. So this is my column this Sunday. I've just spent three days at London Fashion Week. Oh, dear God. Oh, but it was nice to be back in the throes of it all, wasn't it? It was weird being back. I felt like a fossil. Dug up and turfed yet again onto the front line, or at least the front row, or row three. I didn't recognise any of the faces opposite me. They all seemed impossibly young. I only spied a couple of people I recognised from days of old. Even though one of them, Joe, can't remember your surname, had (laughs) squeezed me into a bodycon for a cover, her eyes just washed over me, unseeing and unfriendly. All the young people seemed so confident, happy in their own skin with their bare thighs, clumpy Chelsea boots. No one was riddled with self-doubt. Me? Having filed my review of Fashion Week, I spent the rest of the day refreshing my inbox again and again and again and again, anxious that everything was okay. I couldn't sleep that night, so worried I wouldn't have made the grade, i.e. the paper, the next day. I thought back to the very first fashion show I attended. It was 1978, I was a student, and it was Mulberry held at the Hard Rock Cafe on Piccadilly. Oh, I loved it there. It turned my head. I stared up at the models and wanted their lives, their beauty, their clothes. I was only 20, but I didn't think, oh, well, at least I'm young. I just thought I was spotty and stupid and not tall enough and I wasn't thin enough. 
I managed to get the clothes. My first purchase was a grey silk blouson on the catwalk from Mulberry, followed by a wallet as I couldn't afford the bag. I managed to wangle a store card for a boutique called Crocodile on South Moulton Street, where I purchased Maud Frison slingbacks and olive green silk Calvin Klein hot pants. Hot pants. Attaining the model's beauty was harder. Electrolysis, skin cream made of snail shells, cauterisation of thread veins, semi-permanent eyebrows, airbrush tans, veneers, microderma, what's it? No one told me the models were born beautiful and that they would soon, with only the odd exception, retire and marry rich men. For me, the years slipped by as I tried to improve myself. All that changed is that I'm now battling different wars. No longer a greasy scalp, but hair loss. No longer acne, but skin so testudinal. The young ladies on beauty counters merely ask as I approach them, are you dry or very dry? (laughs) And they say, paramedic fashion, do you want to apply some now? (laughs) Bitches. (laughs) Then I had a shock. Another one after... Gracie collapsed. I caught sight of my face unawares. It's probably because you tamper with my bathroom mirror, you vain cow. Well, I can't see in it because you're so much taller than me. Yeah, but don't fiddle with it. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't like it. I'm look, it's looking at the ceiling. It freaks me out. I discover I have two hammocks each side of my mouth, which is now pointing worryingly downwards. Who can blame it after the ten years I've had? So emerging from the fashion shows, held in empty car parks in Brixton, which 20 years ago I'd have thought edgy, but now just find cold, I went back to see the plastic surgeon, Mr Caridis, who performed my facelift and blepharoplasty 10 years ago. We love him. He has aged in the interim, though he doesn't appear to give two hoots. He doubtless has a family, a home, a skiing trip, whereas I have nothing and no one. He sat me in front of a mirror. What a bastard. That's pretty, that's pretty mean. I don't want to do that. I'm ashamed I found being sat in front of a mirror more frightening than being given an MRI scan of my brain. Your neck and eyes are very good, he said. Yay! You have got a very good neck. You have. have. Yeah. It's better than that woman on the ITV News, no, isn't I it? I mean, I'm at the stage where I'm going to have to start wearing no, those polo No, my, my neck's pretty good. Oh, no, you've got a good neck. Then the bad news. Look at the difference now. He lifted my face from my cheekbones gently. When he was doing this, I looked exactly like Christine Davis in In Just Like That. Do I want to be her or Sarah Jessica Parker with her hollow cheeks that signal only disappointment? I tell him to book me in. I want one last shot at happiness. I haven't given up hope. Not quite yet. Do it. Do it. He's a master. But I'm going to have to return in the faceling again and the dogs will bark. I know, but he's a master. He can, he can facelift me any time. He's bloody wonderful. See, if you if you were fat, look, I've got, I've got mine padded out with fat. It just sort of, like, drags them down that little bit more. <laughs> they hang. It's quite scary, though, having a facelift. No, I mean, I remember last time. Lots of pineapple juice, wasn't it? Yeah. At this time you know what to expect. Because you've been there before, it's not like the shock factor because you didn't know what to expect. I think that's awful. 
you don't think it's going to be as bad as it is. Yeah, but I thought the facelift would just be a boyfriend and then I have to have another one. Yeah, but at least you'll be able to look in the mirror now. Be in the pleased. middle of a war. Be... Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So we've had lots of emails and that about Gracie. Have we had anyone else? Yes, we have. The lovely Ian. The lovely Ian. What does he look like, do you think? I don't know. Is he a paramedic? Is he a doctor? I don't know. Do you you want him to be a doctor? (laughs) Do you want a free facelift? (laughs) You may remember last week I was a little bit thrilled about Liz not singing anymore because you guys can turn it down. I can't. I'm here. So... I think that's actually quite mean. Um, no, I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. You are fantastic at many, many things. But I'm just not putting singing up there. But Ian said, Nick, I was just leaving the car park at Edinburgh Royal. Just about. See, he works at a hospital. He's either a porter or a surgeon. Well, if he could do me a facelift, I'd be really pleased. But he might be a porter. He might just wheel you somewhere. He could wheel me into the theatre accidentally picking up the wrong person for the facelift. So, it was just about to put my ticket in the machine. You were celebrating that Liz was to sing no more, but the folk queuing for tickets didn't know that. I just wound down the window at the point you went, yes, yes, yes. That was a really good Harry Met Sally thing, wasn't it? Well, you turned a few heads, I can tell you. The guy in charge of the car park come over to have a quick word. I was lit on my way with half the car park staring at me. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.